Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. Jay Jones, and I'm here with George Mays. Good morning, George. Good morning. We're here for Text Driven Tuesday, where we discuss the uh, sermon from Sunday. I try to just have a conversation about it and draw out application and just kind of talk through it. Hopefully it helps people to digest it, the sermon, or if they haven't even heard the sermon, if you haven't heard it, um, this will just give you an understanding of Second Peter verses 1 through 3, if that's where we are. Yeah. Back so to 2 Peter. Yeah. That was a very good sermon. Uh, very helpful, very needed, very much needed in our uh, time, really probably for any time, as we'll see. I mean, right. people need to understand this and be aware. Talking about uh, the danger within the church today of false teachers, right. false prophets arising <clears throat> within yeah, the church. Martin Lloyd-Jones said that this is maybe his least favorite chapter in the entire Bible. Really? Wow. Did he elaborate? Um, just because it's not a fun read. Mm. You know, it's it's talking about the dangers of false teaching and their the their fate. Right. And so it's not it's not I again, I think this is one of those those passages, one of those chapters that if you weren't if you weren't just going through the text, you probably would not jump to this one yeah you know so uh guys that do topical sermons this maybe won't be ever hit <laughs> maybe yeah right yeah um because it's not um it's it's challenging to uh bring out the importance of it mm-hmm. yeah you know we, we're in a we're in a reformed church uh-huh. i think a healthy church mm-hmm. um I mean, God has shown us a lot of grace. We we don't have a lot of problems, and so bringing out the the urgency of this passage is is a bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Trying to get people to don't don't zone out <laughs> because this is this is applicable to you mm-hmm. and uh, and to our church. Yeah, it's very good. So um, I'll have you read the the text here in a minute. It says, but. False prophets also arose among the people. So there's a but there, which makes you uh-huh. know, like, hey, we probably need to understand what's in chapter one, right? If we're going to understand <laughs> right. this shift of of thought. Yeah, if you were paying attention in your English class, you probably were told, "Don't begin a sentence with but." <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, here, here's Peter, mm-hmm. and he's. Yeah, I mean, he's not writing a English paper here, right? Yeah. Um, so we we started in chapter one, verse twelve, with the scripture, uh-huh. the scripture uh, on Sunday because the context brings yeah. brings us in. You know, like, like, there's not a um, Peter didn't write chapters. Yeah, I mean, this is just in the original. This would have been all capital letters with no breaks in between the words. Right. I don't, I don't know how many people remember that. Yeah, that's if the you, interesting you, thing about if you look if you look at the early Greek, um, you know, if you, writings, yeah, writings. It, it's all capital letters, and there's no breaks in the in the words. It's just it's just lines of right. letters. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so there's no there's no chapter chapter divisions here. So his his stream of thought it doesn't begin in chapter two verse one as if he's switching to a new topic. He's he is there's a very um, organic flow to his argument uh-huh. that I mean you could go all the way to the beginning of chapter one, but I think 
right around chapter one, verse 12 mm-hmm. is where we start to see where he's going. Okay. So set that up and then I'll have you read two, one through three. Well, I mean, it's been, it's been a while since we've been in second Peter. So just the context of what's going on is, is Peter. I, I think we don't have to go through, you know, all of chapter one, but beginning of verse 12, he's, he's writing in the context of his impending death. Uh-huh. He knows he's, he, he, he remembers what Jesus told him at the end of, of the gospel of John uh-huh. that he's going to die right. and it's not going to be natural death. He's, he's going to be crucified. And, um, I don't know if it, it's the circumstances of where he's living, what's going on in Rome, or simply the fact that he's getting older and he knows there's not a whole lot of time left. Um, but he's writing to them to remind them um, of the gospel and what they're supposed to look like, how they're supposed to live um, as they, they've been given, they've been granted all things pertaining to life and godliness, so they're supposed to live a godly life, a holy life. Right. And um, he reminds them, uh, verses 16 through the end of of chapter 1, of um, the fact that you can trust the apostolic witness. Um, You can can trust the Old Testament prophetic writings because Peter was an eyewitness. And uh, so listen to the Old Testament prophets. Listen to what Peter is saying. He's not making up stories, not making up tall tales. he he actually saw the glory of Christ at the transfiguration and this was this was evidence that all the prophetic writings predicting Christ were true mm-hmm. um it, it lends weight to uh to what the old testament prophets were saying mm-hmm. because he actually saw it um and then he ends the chapter by just reminding them to pay attention to the the prophetic writings mm-hmm. pay attention to the old testament yeah um because it it wasn't the product of these prophets' um, imagination. It wasn't something that they just set out to do um, because they were trying to be innovative. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So we're supposed to pay attention to the the text, and then listen to the the true prophets because chapter two there's false prophets. Okay. All right. Well, can you read for us? Uh... Those verses, verses 1 through 3. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Right. Um, He says, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, Uh bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words, their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Good. Okay, so the outline um, is not like a typical outline, but the way you did it helps you to, I think, make better sense of what you're reading, and that's the whole idea. Right. right? Pastor's outlines are not... They're not inspired, <laughs> right? All, all right. you're doing just is just do the best we can. Well, you're trying to you're trying to outline it in such a fashion, and and give it out in bite sized pieces, mm-hmm. right? Get right? your you're cut, chopping the steak up in bite sized pieces so that you can it can be delivered. You right. Just throw a steak on a plate for a baby. Yeah. Right. You could cut it up in tiny pieces. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. So three. Uh, here, here's kind of the outline. Two main points. Right. Right? There's the pattern of false prophets in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Second point, the pattern continues in the New Testament. Yeah. 
Then there's three questions that you that you kind of said we should be asking as we look at this text. What will the pro- false prophets do? Mm-hmm. What effect do they have upon the church? And then what's their what will be their end? Right. Is that is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Then after we get done through that, there's some application. Right. So let's talk about this. The precedent is set. You said, and and it's there in the text by the statement, but false prophets also arose among the people, mm-hmm. meaning there's a pattern set for right. what the church should expect in Peter's day, and then going through time, that's important for us to understand, going through time, the precedence has been set already, and it can be seen in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about... These, yeah, these um, I, I think that the the danger maybe for the people that, that Peter's writing to, and, and even for us, is to be surprised when false teachings pop up. Like, well, this this uh, this is unusual. This is um, this is something that we we didn't plan for. We didn't prepare our people for. Um, and Peter's point is, don't be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to always be on guard. This is not something new. It's something that we see all the way back in the Old Testament. Right. Um, from the very inception of Israel, mm-hmm. you have false prophets arising alongside the true prophets, and God even gives warnings through Moses. Um, that false prophets are going to to arise, and so here's some test. Yeah, some test yeah. to 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 see if it's a true prophet or a false prophet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, don't be surprised when this happens now, because it it's been happening for thousands of years. Right. Um, and, and also this um, this idea that well, we're we're better off now because we're in the New Testament, mm-hmm. and um, we've got the Holy Spirit. We're living in, um, you know, the the fulfillment period of all the promises of the Old Testament, and so we don't have to worry about this stuff anymore. Right. We need to be on our guard. Right. We we need to be putting the um, the the fence around the church so that false teachers can't get in. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what Peter's doing here. Because mm-hmm. they, as you'll see, we'll see they come in. And it's not like they come in wave of flag saying I'm a false teacher, <laughs> right? Right. They come in <laughs> right. in a subtle fashion. Yeah, and, the, and, and you know, are... you know, in in First Peter, we I think we talked about this a little bit when we when we first started Second Peter. In First Peter, Peter is dealing with primarily the dangers outside the church, mm-hmm. so the hostile government or the unbelieving spouse, the the people who are are putting pressure on the church from the from the outside mm-hmm. to. Um, you know, lead someone to apostatize to um, you know be relieved of right. this, but Second Peter is about those threats that are from the inside. And so you you've got the stuff that's going on on the outside. the The government wants you to submit to Caesar, but on the inside, you've got false teachers that are making it easier to mm-hmm. do that. Also, yeah. Right? And yeah. so we got the outside threat and the inside threat, yeah. and. Um, from the way that he's going to write and and proceed through chapter two, the uh, the greater threat is the inside. Mm-hmm. It's more sinister, right? Has the ability to destroy churches. Mm-hmm. I think people can see that in their own life. So that's the the pattern is set in the Old Testament. So talk to us what a, what it would be a, a test of a prophet, the tests of the prophet in the Old Testament. Well, there's really two, uh-huh. and I, I didn't bring this out as maybe as clearly as I could have. Um, 
again, we don't have time to examine all of this stuff in the Old Testament. Um, But there's two clear passages that you can look at, Deuteronomy 13 and Deuteronomy 18. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I spent more time on Deuteronomy 13 because I think there is a a clearer connection to what Peter's doing here um, as he's talking about the Word of God. Well, let's do that here. It'd be beneficial to people. But Deuteronomy 18 pretty much says if somebody prophesies, says they're a prophet and they prophesy something and it doesn't come to pass... right. They're not a prophet. <laughs> right. They're not a prophet of God. Pretty, pretty clear, right? And then what, what does he tell them? Like actually take them out and stone them. Right. right. Yeah. Deuteronomy 18, it couldn't be any clearer. And yet that's the one I think that is so often ignored nowadays. It is, yeah. You've got, you've got people like John Hagee. How many, how many books has he sold predicting when the end was going to come? I mean, right. the, the four blood moons is the latest. Right. But it's certainly not the first. Right. You've got all these you've got all these books in Christian bookstores where people are trying to predict when exactly this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, it doesn't come true. Right. And then what do people do? Yeah. They don't they, just they don't, they don't reject that guy as a yeah. false teacher. They keep buying his books. Yeah, I mean, they you keep go, going to his church. But Deuteronomy eighteen, Pat is, Roberts, is very and Benny quick. Hinn. I mean, mm. you got—they're all over the place, man. Uh, Paul Benny, White. Benny Hinn actually predicted that Jesus was going to stand on the stage with him one time. Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? And then it didn't happen, and and he still people still follow him. People still listen to him. It's it's insane because Deuteronomy eighteen says if a prophet prophesies something and it doesn't happen, he's not a real prophet, right? And so that he's to be uh, receive the death sentence, <laughs> right? And then the but in the New Testament church, the death sentence is what excommunication, it's excommunication, right? Um, and they're not. Yeah. <laughs> it's like people still give them their money. They still. Well, I, I think this also. We need to think through this because there are still people today, and I, I don't want I want to guard my language and not call these people unbelievers. You know the continuationist mm-hmm. who, who believe that there's still prophecy, that there's still prophets in the church. and uh, But it's not the same as like the Old Testament prophets. So a New Testament, uh, well, a prophet well, nowadays... Well, that way they can avoid... R- right. The, 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 the God clear, standard. The clear implications of Deuteronomy 18, because you've got people that they prophesy in church, mm-hmm. and they may not get it right. Right. And they're not put out of the church. They're not put out of the church. Yeah, so we need to think through this, yeah. and this this has some massive implications for the continuationist cessationist argument. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's clear. I don't think that we should make a distinction between um, the prophets in the scripture and the prophets, you know, the so called prophets nowadays who are making predictions. You you can't you can't get you know fifty percent of it right. Right. Um, that could be chalked up to an educated guess. Sure. Um, if, if they prophesy something and it doesn't happen, they're a false prophet. Yeah. And they're not to be listened to. You, do, you don't have people like Jeremiah who, are, who make a prophecy and only a fraction of it comes true. Right. Right. And then there's the second standard, uh, but, <clears throat> which, yeah, is, the, which is, I think, important for us to... To, to think through mm-hmm. because it does have implications for now. Right. There's a supernatural element to this, but yeah. we don't want to deny the supernatural. Right. And what can be behind things and what could happen in the future. Right. It's going to get weird. Yeah. <laughs> seems so that way. Let's talk about it. Yeah. It seems that way. Yeah. So Deuteronomy 13 is the other test. 
Um, Deuteronomy 13 says, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, uh-huh. I, I think we need to take that seriously. Right. That there, there are prophets who actually can do things. Miracles. Right. Yeah, they can do mir- supernatural things. Right. Um, and if he says, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. So here's the test. Right. The test is not just these supernatural signs and wonders, because even false prophets can do that. Mm-hmm. The test is they, they can do these signs and the fidelity to God and his word. Right. And so if you've got somebody who, who has some kind of false sign, false wonder, and they're telling you to go serve some other god, they're a false prophet also. Right. It doesn't matter if they can do all the same signs as Moses. Right. <laughs> if he if he tells you to to follow some other god, he's not a true prophet. Right. And I think what we need to understand is just because they say they're a Christian doesn't mean they're a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um. So just because it sounds like they're saying let's worship the same God doesn't mean that they actually are saying that. Right. So we need to understand the core, the core doctrines of of the Trinity, the person and work of Christ, the person and work of the Spirit, these, right. the, these things, um, the the doctrine of salvation. These things will let us know if, even if this person sounds like a Christian, if they're off on these core doctrines, they're actually telling you to go worship another god. Yeah, and that's what that's what Deuteronomy thirteen says, and that's why the test. If they tell, if they do a miracle. Mm-hmm. They work, do some sign, yeah. and they say, "Let's go worship another god." You don't listen to them. You, 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 you are bound by the scriptures. There's a subtlety to this. What I found very interesting, though, George, is I had to look it up. The, yeah. I had to go to the text and look up the uh, the word there. Let's see, in thirteen, what verse is it? Um, pages of my Bible are stuck. Uh, you just let don't us read go Deuteronomy after other enough. gods. Thirteen two. Mm-hmm. I looked up the word. The word is Elohim. Uh-huh. Remember, we've talked about this a little bit before. Yeah. This is what we need to understand about the spiritual world and the worldview of um, ancient Israelites. Mm-hmm. The word Elohim is used uh, several different times. We we can think well, God, God Yahweh is called Elohim. Mm-hmm. Um, so we think well, it only refers to God. Yeah. But Elohim is used of angels, um, and even of uh, when Saul went to the to the witch. Remember the crazy crazy story. Yeah. He's like raise uh, raise what prophet was Samuel. it? Sam, raise Samuel from the dead. I need to speak to Samuel. Well, it says his uh, that his Elohim appeared. Yeah. So the best way to understand this word is to see it as a spiritual being. Mm-hmm. Right, and so when God's referred to as El- Elohim, what the Bible means is He's the inhabitor of the spiritual realm. He's the spiritual being above all others. Mm-hmm. So we're human beings. We live in this material world. Well, there's a real supernatural world. We can't deny it. Yeah. And if we, when we go through the uh, Old Testament, it would appear that uh, these supernatural beings can affect what happens in our world. They have power. Yeah, we can't deny that they can. This isn't a superstition, right? To think, and so when he says, 
So this this guy does a miracle or he does a sign. He says, hey, let's go follow this other Elohim. Well, he's acting on behalf of the false god. Right. A fallen angel. This yeah. is what it is. This is a false fallen angel or a fallen angel in rebellion against God. Mm. And so we need to understand that today that when people can do things. Yeah. Right? There are witch doctors that exist. My missions professor saw it with his own eyes. Yeah. They can do uh, what we would call miracles by the power of mm-hmm. demons. Yeah. I mean, it's easy for us to watch someone like Todd White um, lengthen someone's leg <laughs> and and know that this is, this is um, you know, shenanigans Mm -hmm. it's a it i mean it's on the it's a sleight of hand right Uh, but that doesn't mean that there aren't actual people that that could actually do something Um, jesus warns about that in in matthew chapter 24 yeah he says that um, um many false prophets will arise and lead many astray and that um they they could even um if possible, it says that um, false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, I didn't I didn't talk about Second Thessalonians too because that's opening right. up all kinds of <laughs> yeah yeah but it is kinds in, of stuff but it's but important there, yeah but there is there is um, and I I mean I know there's different interpretations for Second Thessalonians too. Some people think that this was in the past. I, I think it's in the future. Um, it's a man of lawlessness, right? Um, and it says that um, he uh, he opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. And he says that um, uh, the lawlessness, uh, uh, then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing uh, by the appearance of his coming and he says that um, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders yeah. and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Right, yeah. I mean, so the, it, it, make it clear. There's coming a person who embodies rebellion against God. Mm-hmm. He really embodies the ideal of the garden that man can be God. Right. But he's actually empowered by Satan. So he actually can do miracles. He can do signs and wonders. And that way. I don't think we should think that these are like weird, dark things. Right. I think what he does will benefit people, mm-hmm. since that's what is part of the strong delusion, right. the draw. Here's a miracle worker. People who do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah will probably follow him as the Messiah. Right. He is, he's, he's Antichrist. Yeah. He is the embodiment of that, and he's going to lead astray people because he's actually doing things people can see. Imagine with the technology we have today, a person able to do a supernatural thing. Mm-hmm. No no magic, no sleight of hand. Right. Like, it's for real and authenticated. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the draw, because people are so, they're, they're wanting so much mm-hmm. something beyond themselves. Yeah. The massive draw and right. the ability to, of power that this person could amass. Yeah. 
So that's important for us, because even if you were to see that with your own eyes, but what comes out of that person's mouth right. is contrary to the scriptures, yeah. you're to know and to reject that person. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think we we pick up on that imagery in Revelation chapter 13, mm. where there's the beast out of the earth. He looks like a lamb, but he speaks like a dragon. Mm-hmm. So he he looks like um, a Christian, but when he opens his mouth, he talks like the devil. Right. I, I think that's a, the the same thing that that was happening in Deuteronomy 13. Mm-hmm. And um, so we've got this pattern that's been established in the Old Testament, and there's not going to be some kind of you know, period in the New Testament where this is not a threat. Right. Um, Peter doesn't give any kind of time reference here as if this is something to look for it only in the future. Right. Because the false teachers are already there when he's writing this. Right. Um, and, and so the, the pattern has been established. Israel, the people of God, have always had to be on, be on guard against this. Yeah. This, this isn't something new or strange or, you know. Yeah, and, and we've got to be on guard. And... uh this pattern it continues in the New Testament. So let's 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 jump in there now and into the text and talk about this. Yeah. Um, so we go to these questions now that you you kind of were helpful for us to think through it. The first one was, um, what what will they do? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. Where do you see it in the text, and how do we understand that? What will they do? This is they're going to bring in destructive heresies. Yeah, I mean it's it's right there. That's it's not. Um... You don't have to do any digging. It's it's in verse one mm-hmm. that there there will be false teachers among you, um, even though he's talking in the the future tense. There will be yeah. You you can't ignore the fact that he's writing against false teachers. Uh-huh. They're, they're there, so right. he's he's just giving this. There's going to be so for from now until Jesus comes. There's going to be false teachers. We have to be on guard. And what's interesting, he says, there's false teachers among you. Like, again. The pattern in Israel, these false prophets are not from outside Israel. They're they're Israelites. The 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 false prophets of Baal that Elijah is dealing with in First Kings eighteen, they're Israelites. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not they're not Gentiles. They they didn't you know immigrate into Israel and and take up their practice of of false prophecy. Yeah, um, they're they're Israelites. The the false teachers they're going to look like Christians. Mm-hmm. They're they're going to rise from among the the church. Um, and they're going to secretly bring in destructive heresies. That, that's the first thing that that Peter says. Yeah. Um, this this word secret it, it means um, bring in from the side. Yeah. And we see the the participle is used in Galatians chapter two verse four. Um, the Judaizers. Yeah. They're they're claiming to be Christians, right? Like they're not they're not unbel- they're not quote unquote unbelievers. Yeah. They're they're claiming to be Christians, but they come in. Um, secretly, Paul Paul says because of false brothers secretly brought in mm-hmm. the the Judaizers who are spying out our freedom in Christ, they they claim to be Christians, but they um, they bring in this destructive heresy. In order for you to be saved, you have to be circumcised. Mm-hmm. So they're keeping they're keeping part of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm as a requirement to right. meet. You have to meet these standards. They may have brought in other things. He, he deals explicitly with circumcision, but yep. it could have been demanded feast days. We don't mm-hmm. really know. He does address feast days and Sabbaths in another passage, but yeah. they're bringing in, in, in the context of Galatians, uh, we see Paul address it in the, in the, in the harshest 
<laughs> right. Not in that we say, oh, well, he'd probably start here first, and then he'd work his way up here. Like, he's like, oh, you want to add something to the gospel? We're going 100%. <laughs> right. This is a false gospel. You are anathema. Right. If you bring this in. Yeah. You're to be damned. Yeah, this is this is destructive heresies. We talked about this. We we talked about this all last week. Yeah. Um. The the distinguishing between the primary doctrines and the secondary doctrines. Mm-hmm. When he says they're secretly bringing in destructive heresies, any any deviation from what the Bible teaches is a heresy. Right. So in the technical sense of the in the word. technical sense of the of the word. Um, but they're not all destructive, right? Ba- Baptists and Presbyterians. One of us is wrong, right? We can't. We can't be, both be right, right? It's it's either it's either baptize babies or don't baptize babies. Yeah. One one of us is wrong. We could both be wrong. It could be Lutherans that are <laughs> right. Which which means one of us holds to some heresy. Someone holds to a heresy, but, but let's say ca- lowercase h. R- yeah. We right. We want to keep that or or you know the the. It's usually described as damnable heresy, right? Like the heresy that actually leads to condemnation, right? Um, and you and think we, that's what he's speaking of here? And I think, he, yeah, I think so. I mean, he says destructive. He, he says destructive heresies. Later on, he's going to talk about their condemnation. Mm-hmm. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So if he's talking about condemnation of these false teachers, they have to be unbelievers, right? Like they're they're bringing in. They're they're attacking core doctrines. Mm. So this we have to be able to distinguish because it's so easy to throw out the term heresy mm-hmm. and heretic. Right. Um, we have to distinguish right. between primary and secondary. And um, you know, I, I think this is the problem with cage stage Calvinists, right? Like they, they need to be put in a cage because they think anyone who's not a Calvinist is a heretic. Yeah. Right. Um we have to be able to distinguish between primary and secondary doctrines. And all the cage stagers right now think you're a compromiser. That's right. <laughs> That's how it works. Their blood pressure rises. Yeah. They say, this podcast I love, it's filled with compromisers. Right. <laughs> calm down. Calm down. Yeah. Go drink a go drink a soothing soothing tea. Um, you know, I we've talked about this before. I the the previous church I was at was there was there were a couple of people there that believed if you if you had never heard explicitly the doctrines of grace taught, then you were okay by ignorance. Oh. All right, so, which offended so many people. <laughs> but once you were once you were actually taught it, yeah. if you rejected it, then you were an unbeliever. And they went so far to say, if you believe that these people who rejected Calvinism were believers, if you if you said well, they're 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 still believers. Then you might not be a believer either. Oh, yeah, okay. Right. So they just kept cranking it up, <laughs> and, and if you didn't hold to their precise theology, then you you were not a, a brother. Yeah. And so <laughs> the way really is narrow <laughs> for these guys yeah. because it's not just they're it's not just the gospel. Now they're adding more stuff. To what the gospel is, and if you don't hold to all of this, then you're not a believer. Uh-huh. And if you think that there are any people, I, I was a Calvinist. What the church? The, what was so frustrating is that the church was filled with the majority of Calvinists, um, but they were gracious Calvinists who believed that you could be an inconsistent Arminian and still be a, a brother, right? <laughs> and if you believe that, well, you're a little you're a little <laughs> sus yourself, 
right? right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, where do you stop? One of the problems is they don't spend any time with anybody except for people that right. <laughs> think exactly like themselves. Yeah. Right. It should be like a, a, a exercise where you have to have at least like one Armenian friend. <laughs> like find a friend that doesn't believe exactly like you. Yeah. Spend time with them. And then, then you'll what you'll probably find out is, oh, well, they're genuine Christians. They have actual fruit. Right. The Spirit's producing fruit in their life. Maybe more, maybe more than you. I think. Right? I, I think what I think what we need to remember is we don't. We're not consistent. Mm. Like we're not. We're not always consistent. We're Calvinist. We're, <laughs> it's very clear. We're we are we are all in. We're five point Calvinist. I I'd, I'd go with Piper and be a seven point. Calvinist, you know, right. double predestination. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the best of all possible worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think that people who reject it, for whatever reason, I don't think that they're consistent. Mm-hmm. Like I've never met a consistent Arminian, right? Because a consistent Arminian would be, I think, a heretic, a universalist, a universalist, right? But have you ever met? <laughs> I've, no, I've never, never met, met. Have uh, you ever met a non-Calvinist? I've never that, met that a, would be consistent. Jesus died for everyone, and so everyone has to be saved, right? Like that's the that is the the consistency, right? Mm-hmm. If you believe in penal substitutionary atonement, right? Um, but I, I've never met anyone like that. Yeah. Um, I and we we always need to be on guard against our own inconsistencies. I mean, right. it's it's hard to be one hundred percent consistent all the time. Yeah, yeah. So we have to be, we have to be gracious. We need to, we need to be firm and immovable on the core doctrines. Right. The the things touching on God, and the the person and work of Christ and the Spirit and um the Word and uh, and the doctrine of salvation. We we need to be, we need to be rock solid on those. Yeah, and they don't come in. So th- this is uh these people come in from the side. Mm-hmm. And I like how you brought up, they may not even be bringing it to this on purpose. Right. They don't start here, maybe. Like, yeah. they don't come in with a false doctrine and be like, sometimes they do. I'm going to go into the church with this false doctrine, uh-huh. and I'm going to wreck the church. Right. What they do is they're part of the church, maybe, mm-hmm. and they start to follow a trail somewhere. The right. Bible doesn't go. Yeah. But they have influence. Mm-hmm. And they begin to influence others. Yeah, I thought that was very important that you brought that out. Uh, yeah, I don't. You know, you look through church history, and church history is filled with controversy and um, heresy. I mean, going back to Arius, back in the uh, the fourth century, he denied the divinity of Christ. I don't think that Arius set out to be a heretic because they were using scripture. Mm-hmm. Like they, I think Arius actually believed that this is what Scripture taught. Jesus is the the first and greatest of God's creations, but he's not actually God. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that he was he was trying to be free for all coming on that. Yeah, there is. Yeah, <laughs> and we just and I just sent you an article that yep. was uh, bonkers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't I don't think he set out with sinister motives. I think I think he set out to genuinely follow what the scriptures were saying but mm-hmm. he was he was cherry picking and when he was confronted on it he didn't he didn't repent You're right um you let's, know I, there there was um, let's talk about your experience here okay uh, before before our church is merged and right. became a new church you had a pretty rough time 
here at the uh, well i say here because it's because the building, the building we're, yeah, we're the using building. the same building right but you were called to come to a church to be a pastor at a southern baptist church um i'd say traditional the in the sense that yeah it has all the trappings of uh-huh. you know the flags up front the uh it was yeah it was, just your, it was just your your Typical Southern Baptist church. And the church was filled with mainly older people, Mm -hmm. and most of them would say they'd probably been Christians like 30 years, 30, 40 years even. Mm -hmm. So you encountered some issues. Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about a couple of those. (laughs) Yeah. Well, one of them, um, I guess the biggest was um, a, a gentleman who had been here just a few years before me. So maybe four years. And how long had you been here at this time? Uh, almost two years, right? About a year and a half, mm-hmm. almost two years. Um, he was a uh, a landmarkist, but a member of the church. Uh, so trail of blood. So he was someone who um, he believed that you could trace Baptist theology all the way back to the apostles, mm-hmm. like an unbroken line of bab of Baptist churches, right? Um, and Baptists were the true Christians, so everyone else was demoted, and they had. There's a lot of weird stuff, um, but um, when I started, see it, they started picking up on things, I guess. Okay. And um, started causing trouble him and his wife, uh-huh. and uh, we we finally had to sit down with them. The, the deacons and myself and and this gentleman and uh he he told me to my face i don't believe that you're we're saved by grace alone you have to you have to do something that's that's gonna be a problem for me <laughs> right <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's gonna be a big problem it's gonna be a big problem yeah. um uh, my wife she she uh she told me yesterday i should have said he taught sunday school yeah um he was he wasn't a deacon at at our church, but he had been a deacon at a previous church. Mm-hmm. And so he'd gone through all the ordination stuff and there were people that wanted him to be a deacon. And so he wasn't he wasn't just um, you know, someone that sat in the back and didn't didn't ever say anything. Right. He he actually was outspoken about his beliefs and he actually did um Sunday school. And I think before I uh I think before I came he actually taught on um, the Trail of Blood, and I don't know if you've ever read the Trail of Blood, Jay, but it's uh, it's wild stuff. But um, he he said that he didn't believe that we were saved by grace alone. We had to do something, and uh, even the deacons were like, "This guy's got to go. <laughs> he can't he can't stay." Yeah, yeah. Because this is a this is a core doctrine, right? It's very odd, man. For anyone that would come in any stream of the Protestant tradition. He he thought that he thought that the five solas of the Reformation were um, a sly way of sneaking in Calvinism. Yeah. And so when I started preaching the the five solas, because I think that the Bible teaches the five solas, right? Um, he rejected it. And, and when he was confronted, see the thing is, you can be an you can be an accidental heretic. We've right. talked about this. I think uh-huh. that I think churches are filled with accidental heretics that have weird views on the Trinity because they just they just haven't been taught. They haven't they haven't been confronted with you know the, this 
the allegory uh, or the analogy of the Trinity with water, that's not that's not good. That's mm-hmm. that you uh, if you pick that apart, that's heresy. Right. But uh, true Christians, when they're confronted with it, will say, "Oh, I I just didn't know," and they'll 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 stop using that analogy. Mm-hmm. But you know, when he was confronted with this, he said, "I I'm going to leave the church." Right. Like that's 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 being set in your false teaching uh-huh and i think that's what he's talking about there was at a previous church there was a there was a lady at the church she she um would do bulletin boards mm-hmm. and uh one year around halloween she made a bulletin board of a candy corn worst candy Ugh. It's <laughs> just terrible. But she used it as an analogy of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. So there's there's three colors yeah. to the, the candy corn. The uh the slightly the the slightly yucky to the tasteless. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she was using it as an analogy of the Trinity. There's one candy corn and there's three three persons. Well that's partialism. That's that's not that's not a, a good analogy of the Trinity. When she was confronted with it, she she cried. <laughs> she felt bad about it huh. um, because she didn't want she didn't want to be teaching something that was wrong. Yeah, she was an accidental heretic, right? And so she she took it down, and it was all good. Uh-huh. You know. Um. So we got to be really careful, right? We got to be slow. It now if there's if there's someone like at the pulpit that is teaching something that is just yeah. attacking a core doctrine um the church has the um responsibility to to remove that guy right um but we still can be gentle with our opponents sure we don't have to uh we don't pick up stones and stone false false teachers anymore we go through the the church discipline process right. you go to that person uh-huh if they repent, good. You won your brother. Right. If they don't, take two or three others so that there might be witnesses. If if they listen to you, you see, oh man, it's not just it's not just differing opinions. Like this is a big deal, and they repent, good. Mm-hmm. They, they've been won over. If yeah. not, you take it to the church. If they still don't repent, even though the church is saying this is heresy, well, they're a false teacher and they need to be removed. Right. right. Yeah. 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 But we we need to be really slow about throwing out the word heretic yeah we need to make sure is this a core doctrine right does this does this affect the gospel right is it about the godhead mm-hmm. um so here's an interesting one yeah uh, i'll make it vague too okay <laughs> at a is church it about me no 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 okay. at, at a church um okay. there's a there's a message and the message was from the uh tai chi uh, leader of the state wanting to know if they could still do Tai Chi at the church. Okay. <laughs> so I, I'm like, well, who brought that to the church? They give me a name. Um, it's a person who had taught Sunday school. Okay. In a church, yeah. brought in Tai Chi. Yeah. You know Tai Chi? It's like where you. Oh yeah. You channel. You you like do the flow. Yep. And you channel. You like channel your inner being. I and, could watch you do that all yeah. day, Jay. I've got flow. <laughs> That's my kung fu, George. That's- Tai Chi's the worst martial art. It's not have really. It's not a martial art, right? You, really, right? It. What it is? is have you seen? This, have you seen? It's spiritual. Have you seen the videos of like the Tai Chi masters? Yes, fighting other that, <laughs> the where martial like, arts, and they they like use their chi to knock you over. 
<laughs> They've got a lot in common with the Word of Faith guys. They do. <laughs> the power of persuasion, man, is powerful. You know, in Louisville, there's Southern Seminary, but then not but a couple of miles um, to the south, I believe, is the Liberal Presbyterian Seminary. Uh-huh. And... Um, if you couldn't find a book at Southern's library, you could you always could find it at the Presbyterian library because they didn't check out the the good books. Mm-hmm. So we'd go over there, and there was a library you know exchange, so you could check out books over there. And I, I'll never forget the time I went over there, and there was a guy in front of the chapel at this <laughs> this Presbyterian <laughs> seminary doing Tai Chi, and I just thought if that was at Southern, <laughs> Moeller himself would go over and slap that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because it's a spiritual deal. It's not just a martial art. Now, for for um, for for a lot of people, it's it's like yoga, right? And I don't want to cause like this big controversy that was stirred up years ago over yoga, but yoga itself is a spiritual exercise, right? But when people practice yoga, they usually are doing it for for exercise uh-huh. they're usually doing it for the physical benefits right and i always tell people like just don't call it yoga call it something else because yoga is defined by the yogis <laughs> themselves right um and i think tai chi is the same way because i had someone at uh, at the church before the merge wanting to to bring tai chi here mm-hmm. and it was for it was for exercise it was, mm-hmm. for, it was senior citizen tai chi okay. it didn't have any of the spiritual element to it it was just exercise uh accidental heretics yeah there you go accidental so we're to be on guard because they come in in this way that's 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 the first question what will they do they bring in destructive heresies yeah so things that could potentially if left unchecked could destroy the church yeah and we're to watch out for that what effect do they have upon the church did you want to talk about denying the master who bought them before we move on we are running i mean we're running out of time it's okay it's i mean it's up to you you're the you're the interviewer Okay, let's do it real quick. Okay, denying the master who bought them. This is a this is a go to verse to disprove uh, what we'd call the doctrines of grace, or mm-hmm. to even disprove um, definite atonement. Right, that Christ died for his people. That right. he died like so. When we go to the Gospel of John, which I've been <clears throat> preaching for, Jesus says, "I lay down my life for the sheep. Mm-hmm. My sheep hear my voice. They know me. Uh, they follow me." And he starts to talk about them like. In the same context of how the father knows the son, it gets right. pretty pretty deep. Yeah, I lay down my life for the sheep, yeah. and the sheep in John are the elect, right? The people the father has given him. Mm-hmm. And if we just stick with Jesus's theology, he doesn't lose any of them. Yeah, he brings them to the end, which is salvation. But the very very end, I will raise them up on the last day. Right is eternal life and new heaven and new earth. Mm-hmm. So I die for an elect people. I'll bring them to the end. They'll persevere. They'll make it. I'll raise them from the dead. Yeah. And they're like, well, here's a verse that disproves all of that. I think limited you know, limited atonement's always the point right. that people struggle with the most. There's a lot of four-point Calvinists because limited atonement's the one that they struggle with the most. Yeah. I, I find limited atonement to be all over the Scripture. Right. Um, I I think if you look even in the Old Testament, like you can't get away from definite atonement. Right. Uh, but there are there are they... there are a handful of of verses that are used, and this is one of them. This is one of the big ones, right? Because yeah. they say, look, denying the master who bought them. Yeah. 
this is redemption language. Yeah, the and master. it is. There there are ways in which theologians try to get around this. Um, John Gill, you know, he's a, a big-time Baptist theologian of the uh, 1700s. He tries to get around it by saying, look, master, master, this word means, it's it's uh, the English word despot. Right. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just transliterated, um, despot. Um, it's never used in the New Testament of anyone but the Father. Right. So it's not the Son, it's the Father. They're, they're denying the Father. Well, it, you have a hard time getting around master right. here, meaning anything other than Christ. Yeah. Um, bought, this word bought, um, everywhere it's used in the New Testament, it, it usually, when it's talking about Jesus, it, it has redemptive Yeah. It's tied, it's tied to the Exodus language. It's, 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 they're denying Jesus who bought them. Uh-huh. You, I, Can't I don't, get away from I don't think it. you have to do these mental gymnastics to. to get around it. I think all you have to do is, is look at uh, verses 20 and 21, uh-huh. which is in the same context, right? You look at the whole thing. And uh, if you're going to deny, if you're going to say that Jesus actually died for them and they're, they're lost, then you're also going to have to deny perseverance of the saints uh-huh. or once saved, always saved. Okay. And uh, a lot of people don't want to get rid of that one because that one is all over the New Testament. You you can't you can't get away from the fact that those who are saved will never fall away. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter himself in in First Peter chapter one verse five says that we were kept for an inheritance that's waiting for us. So he'd he'd have like uh, an inner um, struggle here. He'd, right. he'd be contradicting himself. Yeah, yeah. So I think what Peter is doing is he's again he's taking these people at their profession of faith. Yeah, they they yeah. are claiming to be Christians. These are not outside people. These are not these are not Muslims coming in and trying to seduce you. This this isn't um, this isn't a Hindu guy right. trying to convince you that Christianity is wrong to follow Brahma. Right. These are people who would actually say, I'm a follower of Jesus. Uh-huh. Jesus died for me. They say that. They say it. But by their actions and by their theology, they prove that they're not. Right. I think that's what he's I think that's what he's doing. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's saying, look, these are these are people who are actually in the church. They may have gone through your new members class and they've been baptized and they they eat the Lord's Supper with you. They claim to be Christians. But by their actions, they deny the one that they they claim bought them, mm-hmm. so I don't think it's this this uh, this gotcha verse that gets rid of definite atonement. I think you just have to understand the context of what's going on. These false teachers they arise from within the church, and they claim these truths, but they go out as First John says they go out from among us, so that it will it will be shown that they never were of us. Right. So they they weren't actually bought by Jesus. They just claim it and they deny him. Um. They they. It's lordship salvation, I think. Right. They they claim the master has bought us, but then they deny him. They right. they uh, they want him as savior, but they don't want him as lord. Yeah, they're denying him by their life. That's yeah. something that I think people around here should be able to understand pretty pretty easily, right? Mm-hmm. So many people are professing Christ, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then you would look at their life and you would see the world. Yeah, and the world would accept them. And so they would be making a profession, Jesus is my master, he died for me. Right. And then you'd say, but if we do what Jesus says, mm-hmm. you'll know them by their fruit. Yeah. You would go, oh, but um, you're producing thorns. Yeah. Right? That's what Jesus is saying. <laughs> right. Go to a tree, mm-hmm. 
So no matter what they're saying, and I think I think this is a, a good way to understand that it's yeah. e- it's an easy way to understand. You it. don't have to jump through hoops. It would be just like in your church, in anyone who's listening's church, where you have, say, a Sunday school teacher who would um, say and profess, and what you would look at their testimony and you'd say, "Oh, it looks like a testimony. It looks like legitimate." And then all of a sudden, like they're subtly influenced by Rob Bell. And they follow the trail, and eventually they apostatize. Right. But all along the way, because they weren't ch- church disciplined, mm-hmm. they start to just wreak havoc yeah. in the church. Right. And the church splits over, mm-hmm. who knows, maybe the doctrine of hell. Right. Um, this applies. Yeah. They're saying they have a profession of this is, and then they deny, and mm-hmm. it and it's proven by this this word life. master. It's translated elsewhere as sovereign lord. Mm-hmm. Um, Acts chapter four, uh, Revelation chapter six. Um, if you claim that he's your sovereign lord, your master, and you don't do what he tells you to do, then you're you're denying it by your lifestyle. You're you're right. a hypocrite, right? You, yeah. you can't, it's it's Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. It's those who do the will right. of my Father. Right. And that's what's going on here. Right. Yeah. I, I think a, an encouragement for, for all of our uh, our Reformed brothers and sisters who listen to this is you're going you're gonna to encounter people that have these gotcha verses. They're going right. to throw these out. I think what you do is you look at the context. Right. It's easy to take one verse and, and lob it out there and say, look, <laughs> you, you're done. Don't you know that John three sixteen says whosoever, Jay? Right, right. And that's supposed to be like it destroys your entire theology. Mm-hmm. Um, take it in its context. Understand what the author is actually trying to communicate. Yeah. And I think that what we see is is he's just taking them at their profession of faith. He's not. He's not. Um, he's not making some kind of theological statement about the the particularity of the atonement here in in chapter two he's making a statement about the false teachers he's not even teaching on the atonement right right? if you want to learn it's like uh i think i heard i can't remember who who, what theologian this was was like if you uh if you take out your car manual and you want to know like where the battery like how to change the battery Mm -hmm. or change the windshield wipers like you don't go to the place that mentions windshield wipers Uh and you go to the place about them right (laughs) that's good right Right, and, or, or else you're gonna you're gonna come up with some defective information. Yeah, yeah. He's not he's not talking about the cross at all in in all of chapter two. Right. He's 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 talked about that in chapter one. He's not talking about it here. Right. And so we don't get our theology from this one verse. We look at you know Isaiah fifty three. Right. Or you know John chapter ten. Mm-hmm. Like those those are the places that we would go to talk about the atonement. This this here is talking about false teachers. Very good. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I think that's easy. It's an easy way to understand. Now, what? Now, what effect do they have upon the church? Well, this, it, is, this it, should be surprising. Yeah, maybe. it says that many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. So this is, you, this you, is important. Yeah, you would think that um, this is going to be so obvious that no one will follow them. Right? Maybe you'll get your, you know, a lackey or something that will follow them. But that's not what that's not what Peter says. He says many will follow them. I, okay, so I'll ask you a question. You know anybody that followed Rob Bell into destruction? Oh yeah, and lost their faith. Yeah, I do personally. Yeah, I do. Yeah, a friend of mine from college. That uh, if I if I were to describe him in college, I would say that he was um, 
a stronger, more mature Christian than me. And then um, not even five years later, I'd say that he apostatized. Right. And he started following people like Rob Bell. You remember when John Piper tried to warn everybody a long, long time ago about Rob Bell? <laughs> yeah. And people were like, oh, you're just a fundamentalist and you're was just that so when he narrow-minded. Was that when he tweeted, farewell, Rob Bell? Is that? Yep. Yeah. And people were like, give me a break. And he was right. Oh, yeah. Same thing with uh, John MacArthur and Mark Driscoll. Now, Mark Driscoll didn't do a Rob Bell type thing. Yeah. His was a more of a character flaws. His was he more, didn't, I, he don't didn't know if I, I don't know if I would say he apostatized from the faith. I would say that he no. disqualified himself right. from being a pastor. But Rob Bell, he he doesn't even go to church, I don't think, anymore. No, I think no, he no. just surfs. Yeah, I shouldn't even have brought up Mark Driscoll because they're not even in the same category. Yeah. But just saying that older, wiser people are <laughs> warned against them. They warned, and right. young, young, younger people are like, "Oh, you old fuddy duddies! Yeah. <laughs> you don't know anything." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah, Rob Bell yeah. has caused major destruction. Oh yeah, um, it's not just Love Wins that was a problem. There's a lot of them. I mean, you look at uh, uh, Velvet Elvis, which I've got to. I've just got to give props to my cousin Philip who gave me that book. <laughs> <laughs> trying to trying to lead me astray um but uh in that he uh he puts the trinity as a secondary doctrine mm. and even the incarnation he says that um you know paraphrasing it if uh, if one day we found out that uh that um jesus we could dig up something and found dna evidence that jesus was actually the son of of some some other guy and he wasn't actually born of a virgin that it wouldn't really affect christian yeah. doctrine that much right. it wouldn't really change christianity <laughs> like that's wild stuff that's right. that's t again touching on core things mm -hmm. right yeah. so um rob the rob bell one in the denial of hell i think really fits here because mm -hmm. you say it, they'll follow their sensuality yeah Right, that's the appeal. That's the appeal of many false teachers, and mm -hmm. you brought that out in the text. Is that, and my camera died, so there won't be any switching okay. back and forth. Um, <laughs> just let me. You want you want me to scoot over here? Jay? Just look you like just... what I'm saying is profound. Okay. Oh like, yeah, shake your head. <laughs> there you go. Um, so the the draw is um, you can have salvation apart from actually pursuing holiness, right? That's, that's the draw, and that's what's going on in Second Peter. Uh -huh. Well, we haven't we haven't gotten to it explicitly yeah. until we get to chapter three. But these false teachers are denying the the second coming and final judgment. Right. And so, if you don't have a second coming of Christ and you don't have final judgment, then you can live a sensual life. Right. And that that word usually has a sexual connotation, and that's that, that's what you see. Right. And if, this if is there's exact... not judgment, then then you can. This Live is however you want. exactly what I have seen in people who have followed Rob Bell's teaching. They deny, they deny judgment. Right. They deny hell. Mm -hmm. um, they became, uh, well, we'll start off, they became less holy, yeah. <laughs> right? But eventually, as they followed the trail, they fully embraced the sexual uh, revolution oh, of, yeah. of the world. Uh-huh. And fully adopted the LGBTQ yes. movement, and I've seen it in people. That's that's and exactly still, that's exactly and right. And for a time, they would say, "I'm I am a Christian, and mm -hmm. Christ is the only way." Yeah. But then eventually, after years, they gave that up too. Yeah. Now it's just universalism. Mm -hmm. And the yeah. and that's the appeal. the The root is because to follow Christ, you brought it out. 
Christ calls us to actually follow him, to <laughs> deny right. ourselves, deny yourself, yeah. self-denial. And people don't want to deny themselves. They want to yeah. indulge themselves. Yeah. And uh, this is the key, right? This is uh, many false teachers. They never preach on holiness, mm-hmm. right? Ever. You don't. You don't. Uh, you don't listen to. I mean, it's easy to to pick on people like Joel Osteen. We pick on him a lot. He's the you know everyone's favorite whooping boy. Um, you don't hear him talk about holiness. You don't hear him talk about holiness. You hear him talking about blessing, right. and prosperity, and uh, favor. You don't. You don't hear him talking about um, as God is holy. You too are to be holy. Mm-hmm. You are to deny yourself. Because if you do that, people are going to leave. Right. Yeah. Because many people will follow these false teachers, but um, it, it's only the it's only the elect that will follow the true teachers mm-hmm. that are teaching on holiness. Right. Um, because Christ has died. Christ has died for you, and so you're to live a holy life. Yeah. I mean, you fall in love with not the idea of eternal life. You fall in love with Christ. Right. And and you want to be like him. Yeah, it's like anything, right? Like Drake loves baseball. So who do you think? I mean, who do you think he wants to be like? Do you think he wants to be like football players? I mean, he does play football too, but you know, he'll like watch videos. <laughs> like, oh, let's look at Yadier Molina. Yeah. I want to be a catcher just like Yadier Molina, or I want to hit like Mike Trout. Well, a Christian goes, you know, and not to say that this is just an illustration because he loves he loves <laughs> Jesus too, right? Uh. Well, I love Jesus. I want to be like Je- I want to be like him. Mm-hmm. So what does he say that I should live my life like? Right. Right? You don't say, "Well, I love Jesus, but now I live like uh one of the Rolling Stones." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um and that's the key. That the key here, I think that's the sensuality is a major tool. It always has been. But then we see also there's greed. There's a greed component. Oh yeah. And, and you you not only see this greed component, in their greed, they exploit you with false words. Yeah. That should be so clear in many people's minds today. Yeah. Right, from all the examples. Ha- had you heard the the story that I gave of Oral Roberts? I have, yeah. Okay. I've, I've heard that one. The one I didn't hear was the Paula White one. Oh, really? It was, was it Psalm 91? Because Psalm it's, 91. Because it's COVID-19 backwards? Is no, that why? No. Uh, you know, you go to Psalm 91, and um, you've got... Uh, um, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Yeah. That's the one. Um, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Okay. So it's it's that it's the psalm that is about covenant blessings. Yeah. And um, so they take that, obviously, for fi- always physical, always yeah. physical blessings and protection. Uh-huh. And so she, I, I watched the video. She's got a video. You can look it up. Um, and she says, and I, I just wrote it down exactly like she said it. Maybe you'd like to sow a $91 seed, and that's just putting your faith with Psalm 91, or maybe $9, or whatever God tells you to do. Yeah. So capitalizing on people's fears of getting sick from the coronavirus, mm-hmm. she says, sow a seed of $91 in, in, with faith in Psalm 91. Yeah. And you, you can, what is it, like a talisman? Yeah, and you <laughs> God, can, God will bless you, and you won't get sick. Well, this—it's really just paganism. It is. We go back. This is what the Greeks and the Romans used to <laughs> right. do for their gods. Yeah. If I do this thing, mm-hmm. the God will then bless me. Right. Uh, and it's not Christianity. You have Christianity, or you have paganism. That's all you could ever end up right. with. <laughs> and these are just these are just two examples. I mean, Oral Roberts saying that if if 
we don't raise eight million dollars by the end of March, God's gonna kill me. Right. Like that's um you're blackmailing people. You're 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 preying on their weak consciences. Yeah. You've got people you've and uh, elsewhere in, in Paul's writings in, in first and second Timothy, he talks about them preying on widows, like weak women. You've got these these women who are listening to someone like Oral Roberts because he's been around since, you know, the fifties. And uh, you hear something like this, God's gonna kill Oral Roberts if I don't send in some money. Yeah. And um, you're just preying on them. And it's wicked. And um, they're they're robbing people of salvation mm-hmm. and yeah. actual joy. Yeah. Like God doesn't God doesn't Costi Hen threatened, has, uh, threatened like this. He wrote a book about his time in his uncle's ministry, and he talks about just the insane amount of money mm-hmm. that would come in. Yeah, it's just ridiculous how much money would come into that ministry, and they'd stay in, you know, th- I think it's like twenty thousand dollar a night hotels and mm. wow, and crazy stuff like that, man. And and yeah, it's. And thank goodness God pulled him out of that, and yeah. he's now preaching preaching the uh, the gospel. But mm. yeah, it's there. I mean, it, greed is a powerful motivation for uh, false teachers. Yeah, Oral Roberts doesn't care about <laughs> he doesn't care about these people. Paula White doesn't care about these people. They care about making the money. Yeah, yeah. It's always about the money, man. For uh, that's money. It's yeah. power. It's influence. They like filling up the arenas. Mm-hmm. They they love that people are. Are watching them like they've got the stage, yeah, and uh, they're they're constantly coming up with new ways to attract people's attention. Yes, but that's it's for sure. It's uh, in their greed they will exploit you, right? Yeah. Um. All right. Let's let's uh briefly. What's their end? I mean, it's condemnation. Uh-huh. They they bring upon themselves the swift destruction. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle. Their destruction is not asleep. Again, these this is not just a, a matter of opinion. They're not going to get away with this, right? And I think it's I think it's it's um, and he's going to bring it out a little bit more as we go along. They're denying final judgment. They're denying the second coming. Mm-hmm. And in chapter three, they're even scoffing at the idea of the second coming because it's it's taking so long in their opinion. Mm. Um, and what Peter is saying here is that their condemnation from long ago is not idle. And their destruction is not asleep. So yeah, it may look like it's taking a long time from our perspective, but um, it's coming. Mm-hmm. Judgment is going to come. It's going to be swift. And uh, we need we they need to know that as a warning. But we need to know that as a as a, a comfort and encouragement because it can be frustrating. You see these false teachers and they're they're prospering. Um, you know, Paul, have- Paula White she had the ear of the president, right? Right, and it gets frustrating to know the president of the United States. He is he's listening to lies from a false teacher, mm-hmm. and uh, we can ask how long, how long are, are they going to be successful? And what we get from verse three is that their end is destruction, and we just need to hold on. We need to persevere, and we need to trust that God is going to, He's going to do what's right, mm-hmm. right? He's going to do what's just. And uh, we'll we'll get into that more as we get into chapter three. Okay. Well, we've gone a little bit over today, but just quickly, if you could, yeah. application. What should we be doing? Because the the threat is ever present. Mm-hmm. 
Till yeah, Christ, not, till Christ returns, there's always the threat of yeah. this. And, and even if you're in a solid church, mm-hmm. and I, I pray that everyone watching and listening is in a solid church, and, and I'm so thankful that we've got, a, I think, a, a, a solid, healthy church that's being ruled by God's word. Um, we can't become lazy mm. because um, you, know, you and I might, you know, we're not always going to be at this church. We, we've talked about this before. We, we want to make sure that the church is healthy apart from us, that it's not relying and dependent on us, mm-hmm. that we're not, you know, <laughs> we're, we're not the ones who are holding it together because we're not going to always be here. We'll, we'll eventually die. Um, so we have to always be on guard lest false teachers come in right. secretly um, while we're unawares. So I usually don't do this, you know, in in my sermons with uh, application, but I really thought that this this text lent itself towards just kind of specific application. Yeah. What do we do? The first thing is be in your Bible. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, again, tying it to the end of chapter one, that, that's what Peter is doing. Mm-hmm. The, the application's right there in the text. Uh, pay attention. We would do well to pay attention to the word um, as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day, until the day dawns and the morning star um, shines in our hearts till Christ comes. Um, so be in your Bible, because how are you going to know what a false teacher is if you don't know what the Bible actually says? And we need to be teaching it to our children. Mm-hmm. Um, teach your children the Bible and uh, let them see you reading it and studying yeah. it. Uh, be faithful to attend and be involved in a local church. Right. Elders are given to protect from the wolves. That's that's one of our duties is to protect the flock. Um, everyone may not have as much time to study the scriptures as we do, or be familiar with all or the be familiar with all the false teachings. Yeah, yeah. Um, it can be overwhelming. One of our jobs is to be familiar with this stuff mm-hmm. and to be in the Word so that we can protect the the flock. Um, and and we have each other to be held accountable. Right. I mean, you follow follow that line of of church discipline. It goes from one on one to one being confronted by a group to be confronting by the entire church. Mm-hmm. If the entire church is telling you you're uh, you're you're going <laughs> you're going a wrong direction, you probably should listen to them, right? Um, now there's there's instances where you may be the one who's who's coming out of false teaching, mm-hmm. but uh, you need to be really careful. And be involved in a, a, a good, strong, healthy church. Um, be on your guard. This is, I think, the entire thing. Uh, the entire chapter is is all about testing the spirits. Not everyone who claims to be a, a, a teacher in the church is actually qualified um, and should be listened to. And we don't uh, we don't test false teachings by our feelings or by our experience, yeah. um, or count the numbers. Well, all these people are, you know, buying Jesus calling, so it must be okay. It's being sold in Lifeway, so I'm sure they vetted it. <laughs> it's and it's good. We don't. That's not how we test the spirits. We test the spirits by the Word of God, mm-hmm. right? And I gave example after example. What What do you think it's going to take for Andy Stanley to be kicked out of of Lifeway? Because if 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 trying to get people to unhitch from the Old Testament doesn't do it, and you can still be just marketed. Is there anything that he could do short of adopting homosexuality? Probably not. And if he's unhitching from the Old Testament, he's just a small step. He's he's in the he's in danger of yeah. of adopting that. Yeah. Yeah. Right? 
I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, be diligent in prayer. And I think this is where we um, probably all need to be mm-hmm. admonished. Right. We need to pray more. Mm-hmm. Um, pray for your church. Pray for your elders. Pray for yourself. Um, pray for those that are are duped by false teachers. Right. Um, pray for the false <clears throat> teachers themselves that God might grant them repentance. Yeah, we forget Jesus told his disciples when they teach them how to pray, pray to be protected from the evil one. Right. Because he's got all of these schemes yeah. and tentacles out, and one of his tactics is infiltration through yeah. false teachers. Don't don't be so proud. I've been a Christian for you know so many years that I don't have to. I can spot a false teaching. Right. A mile away. Um, be in prayer. Yeah. Be in prayer. Don't don't trust that you are, are um, safe. Mm-hmm. Like, be in prayer that God will will protect you right. and keep you. Mm-hmm. And pray for the elders and teachers at your church that they might be protected. It's it's so easy. Yeah. To uh, to you know you get something just a little bit off and, oh, and yeah. it just kind of goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you if you realize that you've been reading false teachers or listening to them um anything that's not in accordance with the scriptures repent and believe the gospel this is not even for the false teachers this isn't a done deal there is repentance if they will repent if they will believe i have to i have to believe that when peter's writing this to the church and it's read to the church that the false teachers are there too mm-hmm. and they're hearing it <laughs> listen listen and repent and uh, and come back, come back to God's word, and um, you know a lot of false teachers. They promise all these blessings and prosperity and God's favor, and it's only found in Christ, right? That's and right. All, all That's their pro- all their promises are empty, but Jesus will fulfill every one of His words. That's right. Yeah, very good. Well, thanks for listening today. It's been a. A, a blessing for us, I think, for me, just to go back through this text and to hear your sermon. So hopefully it was helpful for those watching and listening, and uh, we hope that you would be encouraged, and we would uh, urge you uh, to do what, what Peter says here in the text, that you know we need to be on guard and watch, very watchful. Uh, hopefully this is helping you to think through uh, this great letter, Second Peter, to help you understand the world in which we live, and hopefully it's helping you to become more and more conformed to Christ. 